Section thirty six of A Fair Mystery. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Fair Mystery by Bertha M. Clay. Section thirty six. He made me believe that I was the whole world to him. Do I weary you, Earl Murray, with these details? Lady Estella asked, looking with wistful eyes into his face. Out of my thirty-eight years that was my only gleam of light. Does it weary you that I like to dwell upon it? No, he replied. Every word interests me. You cannot tell one too much. I used to wonder, she continued, when I heard people say that love made or marred a woman's life. In my own mind I thought such words an exaggeration. I found that they were most fatally true. My love marred my life. That night I left the palace with my heart and mind full of Ulrich Studley, and the idea possessed a double charm for me because I was, as it were, forbidden to entertain it. The Duchess, my mother, spoke to me once more on the subject. We were going to a fete at Kensington Gardens. Before we started she called me to her. Estella, she said gravely, I hope you will not forget what is due to your position as daughter of the Duke of Downsbury. I hope you will not forget what is required and expected of you. I told her that I hoped always to please her, and I intended then to do so. If Captain Studley should have the bad taste to intrude his society on you, she continued, without being the least unladylike, you must let him see that it is displeasing to you. But, Mamma, I remonstrated, it is not displeasing, it is most amusing. The expression of my least wish ought to suffice, Estella, said my mother haughtily. I tell you to avoid Captain Studley whenever you possibly can, and if you are compelled for a few minutes by unavoidable circumstances to talk to him, I insist upon it that you show no interest whatsoever, that you treat him with studied coolness and reserve. Will you tell me why, Mamma? I asked gently. Yes, I will tell you. The love of a Studley never yet brought anything with it save sorrow. Secondly, were it even otherwise, Ulrich Studley, a younger son, is no match for my daughter, Lady Estella Hereford. You hear this? I had heard, and at first my only emotion was one of sorrow, that a pleasant intercourse must be ended. It was very evident that I must not look again at the laughing face and tender eyes. I hardly understood the cloud that came over me, or why the thought that he was so soon to be taken out of my life darkened it. He was at the fete, strange to say, with my only and dearest friend, Lady Agnes Delapan. We had been schoolmates, and the year previous she had married Lord Delapan. I felt pleased when I saw him with her. My mother did not see either of them. After a time Lady Agnes left her companion and came to me. My mother, who knew our great affection for each other, had no scruple in leaving us together while she joined some friends of her own. "'Estella,' said Lady Agnes, as we wandered through a beautiful grove of trees, "'Estella, you have accomplished a miracle.' "'What have I done?' I asked. "'You have written your name when no one ever inscribed a woman's name before,' she replied. "'I had not the least idea what she meant.' "'Where is that?' I asked. Lady Agnes laughed aloud. "'On the hitherto invincible heart of Ulrich Studley,' she said, I should imagine that he has admired more pretty girls than any one ever did before, but you were the first who has made a real impression on him. Who says I have done so, Agnes? I say so. He has been sitting by me for half an hour, and all his conversation has been of you. I assure you, Estella, he is hopelessly in love. The love of the Studleys always brings sorrow, my mother says. Lady Agnes laughed again. 
I am sure your mother will not like him. No mothers do. Mine used to torture me about him before I was married. You would not find a dowager in London who approves of him. But why? I persisted. A handsome, graceless, penniless younger son? What dowager in her senses would approve of such a man? He cannot help being a younger son and having no money, I said. No, he cannot help it. A man cannot help being born blind or lame, I suppose. But then he does not expect to fare the same as a man who can walk and see. It is not a just world, I said gravely, and then Lady Agnes laughed. Yes, Ulrich ought at least to have been a prince, she said. There is now only one resource for him. What is that? I asked. He has no money, and he cannot make money. Military fame is very empty, but he could, at least, marry someone who has money. And Lady Agnes, who I believe had decided liking for him, looked sharply at me. Why can he never make money? I asked. It is not the habit of the Studleys. They have a reckless fashion of spending, but I do not know that they are capable of making money. Captain Ulrich is a soldier, and we all know how empty is fame. At that very moment he joined us. Lady Agnes turned to me. I leave you in safe hands, she said. I promise to look after little Nellie Plumpton, and I have not seen her yet. Then she went away. It was kind of her in one sense, but wrong in another. I was terribly frightened. What should I do if my mother found me here in this grove of trees with Captain Studley? I remembered, too, that I had promised to be very distant and reserved with him. Yet, there I was, looking at him, blushing and smiling, utterly unable to either look or feel anything save happy. He saw and was quick enough to detect the anxiety on my face. Ah, Lady Hereford, he said, I was a true prophet. I see it. Then, without waiting for any answer, he began to talk to me about the fate. I forgot everything else in the wide world except that I was happy and was with him. Earl Murray, the sun will never shine for me again as it did that day. The sky will never be so blue, the flowers so sweet and fair. When he saw Lady Agnes returning to us in the distance, he said quickly, You will not be unjust to me, Lady Estella. You will not visit the sins of my race upon me. No, I said, I will never do that. Sometimes you will let me forget graver anxieties, graver cares, the troubles of my life in talking to you. Then I saw my difficulty. I will do all that I possibly can, I said. But, but what, he asked, tell me the difficulty. How could I? I could not look into his face and tell him my mother disliked and disapproved of him. I think I understand, he said with a low laugh. If I were a duke with two or three fine estates, there would be no objection to me. As it is, perhaps her grace has told you the Studleys are unfortunate. Yes, she has told me so, but I do not believe it, I hastened to reply. Thank you, you are generous. I shall trust in your generosity, Lady Hereford. Then he went away, and the brightness of the sun, the sky, the flowers went with him. Yet I was strangely happy, with a new, strange, shy happiness. When other people whom I had neither liked nor cared for talked to me, I found that I had a fresh stock of patience, that I had such a fountain of happiness in my own heart, I had an abundance to shower upon others. The whole world changed to me from that day. I lived only in the hope of seeing Captain Studley. I counted the hours when I was away from him. Unfortunately for me, I found an aider and an abettor in Lady Agnes Delapan. My mother did not even know that she was acquainted with him, and I, alas, never told her. Lady Agnes had a beautiful villa at Twickenham, and it was no unusual thing for me to spend two or three days with her. 
it was cruel to betray my mother's trust there is no excuse for it nor was there any for my friend we never made any positive appointment i never told him when i was going to twickenham yet he always seemed to know by instinct lord delapan held some important office under government so that he was seldom at home we three lady delapan captain studley and myself spent whole days together sometimes in the grounds that surrounded her home or on the river which ran close by the end of it was see i offer no excuse that we both believed it impossible to live any longer without each other oh folly and blindness and madness of love i who had never disobeyed my parents who had always been a docile obedient child whose highest ambition had been to please them i suffered him my lover to talk to me about a private marriage he said that if we were once married my parents would be very angry for a short time that was certain but when they saw there was no help for it they would forgive us and all would be well again i asked timidly enough for i dreaded to displease him if it would not be better for him to try and win my parents consent i will try if you like he said i will do anything to please you but i am quite sure it is useless the moment they hear that i care for you they will take you away and i shall see you no more do you really think so ulrich i asked sadly i am quite certain of it still it shall be as you wish i cannot live without you estella you are the whole world to me and you love me unless the story told by those sweet eyes is untrue lady agnes knew nothing of these longing entreaties of his for a secret marriage if i had told her i might have been saved she with all her imprudence would never have permitted that i dared not tell her lest she would disapprove looking back i cannot tell what possessed me what mad infatuation what wild folly had taken hold of me is it the same i wonder with all those who love with all the girls who surrender heart and judgment as i did yet i did not reply all at once the step was such a grave and serious one even to my inexperienced eyes that i hesitated long before taking it i must do him justice i think in those days ulrich studley did love me very dearly indeed better perhaps than he loved any one else and that for a studley is certainly saying a great deal he told me over and over again in most passionate words that he loved me he made me believe that i was the whole world to him then when he still found that i was unwilling oh so unwilling for this private marriage he pretended to be hurt to think that i did not care for him and for ten long days he never came near me ten long dreary terrible days i can remember even now the misery of each of them the hours that seemed to have no end the nights without sleep if we met in public he passed me with a cold bow and devoted himself to some one else i went through all the tortures of jealousy my face grew pale and thin ah what i suffered then one evening he came to me and said estella have we had enough of this i feel i can bear it no longer it is your fault i replied you have kept away from me is a man's heart made of wax do you think kept away from you if i had not done so i should have gone mad your love must be child's play judging from the way in which you treat me how could i bear to be near you when you so coldly refused my prayer we were standing behind a great cluster of trees and the next moment he clasped me in his arms crying that i must be his i shall be at twickenham to-morrow he said estella i pray to meet you there and i weak and miserable promised him End of section thirty six.